spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here with you, along with Stephanie Burke, science advisor Matt Moniz, and the science ad- si- sorry silent assassin Matt Costa. See what happens when you take a week off. All right. And we are back. We are here to talk about the paranormal, as we are almost each and every Saturday night. Uh, we did take last week off from the live show. We did run a pre-recorded episode with Nick Redfern, which had actually never aired before here on WBSM. That was a podcast-only edition from, uh, I think, it was about a year and a half ago, yeah. maybe two years ago, when uh, Nick's book, The Real Men in Black, had come out. And he's actually got a new book coming out, so we're, we're going to try and hook up with him uh, coming up soon. The problem is... Saturday nights are a very tough time for him. Uh, he's al- he has other commitments, so it's always difficult to get Nick on the air live. But we would love to have him here some night in order to have questions and answers from the audience. Because, Matt Costa, you were saying it was a, a pre-recorded show, but that you were already getting people that were calling in. So I'm sure that... Yeah, there was a couple of people. So if we could have him on live, I'm sure we would get tons of, of calls. Yeah, definitely. And uh, if you haven't heard it, you can check it out on the archives of the podcast. You can check out at SpookySouthCoast.com or on iTunes, wherever you find your podcast. We also put all of our video archives up on YouTube. And if you are watching on Spooky TV, hello. And we have the chat room up and running. You can interact there. Trying out, we've been running this new chat room for a couple of weeks now. We have some issues here loading it up on all of the computers in the studio, but it seems to be working better for the people at home. Have you heard any feedback on that, Matt? About whether or not people like that I, better? I haven't had heard any feedback, but that's uh, that's good news, I guess. Well, people want to let us know. Spooky Crew at SpookySouthCoast.com. Let us know what you like and don't like about that new chat room. Uh, tonight we have a bit of an abbreviated program because the Red Sox and Yankees played a game. So that pretty much guarantees that we will not have a full show. Uh, I want to thank them for not going to 11.45 like they usually do. Uh, I still remember having poor Kristen Gartland on waiting on the phone for us. Uh, I think she was listening to the game over the phone to find out when it was going to end. We ended up doing from 11.45 until midnight with her that night. So 15-minute program. But uh, she hung hung tough. That was many, many years ago. And they are supposedly working on a, a fix for that so that when there is a game that goes along, we can just jump on the Internet-only stream. And so hopefully that will come about sometime during the course of the summer. But, you know, we'll we'll sit around and wait. Last week, we uh, had other things going on, so we didn't actually get to be here live. But I think with the exception of our July 12th Legend Trips event and our August 30th Legend Trips event, I think we'll be here pretty much for the remainder of the summer. Uh, Again, we'll be waiting for the Red Sox to get over most weeks, but we should be here each week. And speaking of Legend Trips, we do have... Some tickets remaining. The July 12th event at the Murdoch-Whitney House is sold out, uh, but we do have some tickets remaining for our Edaville, USA trip, which is happening on August 30th. And I was there yesterday. They were having the big premiere of Dino Land, so I went with my son. We checked it out. We saw all the construction that they're doing, new rides they're putting in, new portions of the park they're building. They just announced that they're building Thomas Land uh, before next summer, so they're going to have an entire Thomas the Tank Engine park uh, as part of the Edaville experience. So I saw a lot of the work that they're doing, and, I, and as anybody that knows that's into paranormal investigation, that can stir up a lot of activity. Yes, it can. And the good part about this, they're bringing in rides from other parks, which can have its own attached energy energies. attachments, absolutely. I did read about that somewhere. Um, people's past experiences there with different equipment that's come from different parks. And... 
I have the opportunity to speak with, I, I won't say her name on the air because I didn't ask for permission, but she works for the park and she used to live in the house. That's You're, you're familiar with Edaville, right? Yes. I know these guys are. And uh, there's that house on the hill across from the museum building mm-hmm. uh, where there has been a confirmed suicide. Okay. And it is supposedly extremely haunted. And this woman was telling me that when she was living there, there were three spirits that were three distinct spirits that were there uh, during her time. One was the guy who had shot himself, Mm -hmm. one was an older woman, and one was a young girl. And that all three of those had come through at different times. She had a friend who was a medium who would come over the house and would tell her kind of where the certain hot spots were so that she could avoid them, because she was trying not to have any experiences if she could. But the little girl kind of like attached herself Mm. to her, so she couldn't really escape her, but she learned to deal with that. And But she was telling me that other people that work at the park have reported seeing the little girl looking out the window, staring at the Ferris wheel from, from the window. So, yeah, it should be a great night. We actually get to investigate that house as part of the Do event. You? Yes. We get the house. We get the museum building. We get the midway with all those rides that came from other places. We can go into the woods. We can probably get into Dino Land if the gate isn't closed. And we can check out some of that. They, they've concocted a pretty interesting story for how they discovered Dino Land, how they found that there are dinosaurs in the Carver Woods. And uh, essentially what it is, is... Do you remember the gnome coaster monies that they used to have there? Yeah. Well, they're saying that they were out looking for the remnants of the gnome coaster and that you know there had always been these reports of mysterious creatures seen out in the woods and that when they were excavating to find all the gnome coaster rem- uh, remnants, that's when they encountered the dinosaurs living out there in the woods. So, But in order to legitimize that story, they put pieces of the gnome coaster out there as well as some other old pieces of Edaville history. So that's probably got some energy attached to it from, mm-hmm. from the old days of Edaville. So beside the fact there's a bunch of animatronic dinosaurs out there, you know, you, there's authentic Edaville equipment on pathways that haven't been walked in dozens of years. So there's really cool little nooks and crannies and corners of Edaville that uh, have, and as you can see, if you're watching on Spooky TV, I'm rocking my new Edaville hat. So the You big, did Instagram that picture earlier. I did. So. I do uh, I do like uh, promoting it as much as I can because I love that place. In addition to the fact that we're having a, a Legend Trips event there, it's just a, a fun place and a big part of me growing up. So I want to spread the word. It's going to be really exciting. Just as long as you don't stick me in the woods, I'm okay. You will not have to go into the woods. Okay. Especially- it's all woods. I Pretty know. much. Well, but, I mean, the midway's cleared out and everything. Yeah. So you're- it's still creepy. You're going to stick to the fried dough stand? Yeah. i gotta, I got to talk to management over there. But I just, I just want, just once, like when one of the groups is out exploring the midway, I just want to make the carousel go on. <laughs> we need to find a way to do that remotely. It'll freak everybody out. But uh, we are working on uh, some deals that will be attached to this event. Uh, not only are we trying to secure a hotel room deal, which I'm pretty, I think that that's Labor Day weekend, so it's going to be kind of hard to pull that off. But we're trying. Uh, but you will be able to attend the park. At a reduced rate. We are working on, uh, they're generating the code for us so we can put it up. Uh, we're going to send it actually in an email. When you buy your tickets from legendtrips.com, you will get an email and it will tell you, or if you purchase the tickets before we get the code ready, we'll send you an email afterward uh, in which you can buy tickets to the park at a reduced rate for the day. So you can go and check out all the rides. Uh, we spent about four or five hours there riding the Tilt-A-Whirl and some of the new rides that they have. Uh, they moved the bumper cars indoors, which is kind of cool. The museum building used to have a lot of 
just space in it where they had tables and chairs and and benches and now they've put the bumper cars in there they put a kitty land on the second floor so it's uh it's pretty cool the stuff that they've been doing is there anything left of the museum the museum itself, okay. sure. Yeah, the, the, they have the entire Cranberry Museum on the second floor, oh, cool. uh, on the they, right hand like, side. I know when it, um, they did sell a lot of their stuff. Yeah, and it's time. it's not like it was in the heyday so, when they yeah. had all the museum, I don't know all if they the got rail, any railroad of the stuff. original stuff back, or if they some of the Cranberry equipment they do. Uh, a lot of the railway equipment, it's gone, yeah. and it will forever be gone because it's gone to private collectors and and other rail parks, but. They've been able to bring in a lot of the cranberry stuff. So when you go up there, you can see original LSD Atwood equipment as well as stuff from other farms. And that's all going to have things attached to it, too, I would think. Yep. I remember being there as a kid and doing the the railroad museum part, and I was not a happy camper being in there. It used to freak me out to go into the downstairs portion of the museum. Mm-hmm. They had that train that would run around yep. uh, on top, and that always kind of freaked me out. But I didn't like it in there at all. Well, you know the story. I don't know the story. Should I tell you the story now? My poor father brought me to all kinds of different places, profile rock everywhere, and I always had freakouts. <laughs> now he gets it, but... Should, should I tell you what happened in that building? Why not? Well, because you're going to go there, and I don't want to give well, you too much advance in- info, but we'll be talking about it at the event. I was so going to hear it anyway. It's going to get so. spoiled for you anyway, but the founder of Edaville, LSD Atwood, mm-hmm. actually died in okay. that building in a, in a furnace explosion. Okay. And what's interesting is the woman who was telling me about the spirits that lived in that house, mm-hmm. one of them told, the little girl, uh, told her through the medium that she saw the accident. She saw what happened, and it was no accident. Okay. That somebody had sabotaged something. But I don't want to get too into that because the, the Atwood family, if they're listening, they don't like when we talk about this. We don't like, they don't like when we talk about LSD Atwood's ghost or his wife Althea's ghost haunting the, the property. But that is who people have reported seeing. So if we're going to be honest about the reports, we have to give that information. Right. So that's, it's out there. And uh, we'll discuss it more in depth. We've, we talked about maybe not mentioning it and mm-hmm. then saying, if you want to find out who haunts Edaville, you got to come to the event. But it just seems too cheesy and promotionally to do that and we kind of just want to be upfront about what type of things go on so but you can get your tickets to that they are $99 uh, and again we're going to have a reduced rate for the park if you want to get in there you can ride the train ride the rides uh, we will have a hotel deal of some sort I just don't know how much of a deal we can get with it being that weekend but we will certainly try at the very least we'll just make sure that they can at least set aside some rooms so even if they have to charge the full rate at least they won't be completely sold out uh, when you try to get a room there and it's it's pretty accessible from all kinds of places so we've gotten deals in the past at the Middleborough Days Inn we can do that again it's still only 10 minutes from Edaville it might not be right on the waterfront in Plymouth like some of these other hotels but you know it's it's still it's still a bed and at 2 o'clock in the morning that's, that's pretty all much all you matters. want that matters that and breakfast in the morning it's fortunate for us that yeah. we finally have one that's 15 minutes from our house you know yeah. that and, and the Faring Tavern we're pretty lucky but uh, for a lot of folks we know that they have to travel and don't worry don't feel bad people out there because we're driving two and a half hours home from Winchenden on July 12th yeah. <laughs> so because there's no rooms to be had in that area whatsoever uh, that weekend so we will just be turning around and driving home we will be quite tired fun I'll yeah I drive home from Gardner Actually, I should probably say poor Brennan's drive home from Gardner. I think I slept one and a half hours out of two. Well, what about the uh, the weird drive home we had from Hartford, from the uh, Mark Twain house, Mac Costa, where, like, 
Oh, yeah. I, I remember talking for like a good five minutes, then you're like, you know you're not making any sense, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I just I remember seeing like a woman hitchhiking, and we debated whether or not we should pick her up. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then... Uh, you two would do that. Yeah. We were, I remember uh, when we finally crossed into Massachusetts, I, was, I think I was pretty much out by that point, and I was driving. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We made record time, though. We did. We did pretty well. Well, you weren't there when I drove home from Lowell that night after the wrestling event, and I slept the entire way. I wasn't there, no. I heard about it. Yeah. Legendary. Yeah, Nick was there. Your cousin Nick was there. But, uh, yeah, I I basically slept from... Once I got off the Lowell connector and I got back on the highway, I fell asleep. And nobody bothered to wake me up because they said I was driving better asleep than I do when I'm awake. (laughs) And all I remember is I remember getting off the Lowell connector and getting on the highway and then waking up at the Independence Mall parking lot in Kingston because there was a thunderstorm going on and I wanted to watch the lightning. So I was like, I don't even know how I got here, but this is a pretty awesome storm. And from there, I was okay. And uh, speaking of late night driving, I just want to point this out last week. Now, for those unfamiliar, if you don't follow me online or on Instagram or any of that stuff, I took my son to Canopy Lake Park last Saturday for his 10th birthday. And we rode the Untamed roller coaster, which... People got stuck on yesterday when the power went out. I've heard so many horror stories now about Canopy Lake in the past week. Uh, Yesterday, the power going out, and I put it up on Facebook today. We were talking about it on the Saturday morning show, and people were sending me messages like, I got stuck on this ride there. I got stuck on this ride there. I'm like, I'm glad that I know all this now after I already went to the park, (laughs) because otherwise I don't think I would ever go. Hmm? At least you had a good experience. I did. I did. But... uh, uh, I'm a little scared to go back after some of the stories that I heard. But on the way home, we decided to stop at a Sonic because they have two Sonics mm-hmm. on the way home, and I'd never been. And I was so excited to finally try one of these damn Sonic shakes that they've been talking about for years. And when we ordered the food at Sonic, they told us the shake machine had gone down. Of course. It's only because you wanted it. Yeah. Exactly. Because I finally got a chance. The, the mall to see Mr. T. Mr. T. <laughs> <laughs> That was a good story. But here's here's what I'm thinking. Do you want to tell the story, by the way? No, it's okay. We might get sued by the, by yeah. the writer of The Simpsons. Uh, so here's what I'm thinking. Some Saturday night, we have to just do like the, take the show on the road and go to Sonic. and go to Sonic. Yeah, I'm game. It's about it's, a, it's probably about an hour and fifteen minute drive from here for investigation. Right, exactly. <laughs> we'll oh, we'll dude. we'll go on the road. We'll get some Sonic shakes. We'll talk about. It. We we were discussing this uh, with the news guys earlier. So we think that we can make a big experience out of it. I don't know. I think so. I like it. What is so exciting about a Sonic? It's the food's not that great. Right. So why is it so popular? Why do people drive to go get it? Because it isn't around here. It's the same thing about Arby's. No, Arby's isn't worth the drive wherever you live. No. <laughs> I can say that. I had it once, and I. I are are you disagreeing with me, Brendan? You you like the Arby's? Curly fries. That's true. The curly fries are phenomenal. The the best curly fries ever, though, are at Roy Rogers. If you can find a Roy Rogers, especially if you can find the one that has like the Wendy's in it, usually like they they up kind of partner the them up. Pike. Yeah, they have some up there, and they have the Wendy's in it. And you get a frosty from Wendy's, a chocolate frosty from Wendy's, and you get curly fries from Roy Rogers, and you dip the curly fries in the chocolate frosty. Awesome. Mm. <laughs> best curly I fries I ever had, I think, were at King Richard's Fair. The food really? at King Richard's Fair is pretty good. Curly fries. How many cu- how many tickets did that cost you? I have no idea. Eighty seven. God, I went to the King Richard's Fair every year since I was like four. King so. Richard invented the rotato. <laughs> <laughs> he also invented the slap chop. You're gonna love his nuts. 
So you go there. So you go there every year still? No, I haven't been. But um, okay, because I was going to ask you if you've run into Grant because he's there every day. I was there the one of the years that he was. I had seen him from afar, but that was it. But we went every year because my family, my whole family, owned bars, so Coors Light sponsors it and they give us free tickets and god the last time i probably went was like 2009 2010 and it was one of the years that grant was there but well now he's there every day because now he's got nothing else going on right. you know like he's just working from home all the time yeah. so and uh, i actually found out that grant was in my neighborhood like two weeks ago really? and he didn't bother to come over so grant if you're listening i'm disappointed i literally live two streets over from where you were so next time please come by my house too but what would you talk about Nothing. I don't have. I don't have anything I want to talk about. I just haven't seen him in a while. It's funny. I've well, heard he's nice. He is. He's very nice. He's been to Moniz's house, of and uh, who hasn't? <laughs> well, because Moniz lures everybody in with the promise of meat. Yes, down a very, very scary pathway into the unknown. That's just my driveway. I it's, know. It's only scary the first time. When I drove down it, I'm like, this is like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. What's going to happen to me at the end? The coyotes let you out. No, they didn't. Yeah, they did. They stood in front of my car and stared at me. Well, when they I wanted to make friends. Whenever I have to drop Moni's off, I like let him off on Route 6. I don't even I don't go down that either. road. <laughs> it's not so much that I'm afraid of what's down there. It's that I know that, like, well, at least on my old car, I was worried that like I wouldn't make it back up. Well, that's yeah, what that's my where, fear uh, was, because my Mustang That's where Edenville got other animatronic dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they found them on the island of Dr. Moni's. Well, that's that's that's, uh, that's tall words considering you're my I know, neighbor. I know. <laughs> that's how he knows the dinosaurs are there. Yeah. The first time he opened up his closet, there's like a little midget living inside. Yep. He's all tied up. Yep. That's what Moniz does. In puck wedgies time. everywhere. Mm-hmm. Giving wedgies. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we promise that we do have a a real show coming up for you. Somewhere, uh, it's somewhere here. Today. It, yeah, we'll we'll find. It. In the next hour, we'll be talking with Eric Altman. Uh, you know him uh, from the Pennsylvania Bigfoot Society and from Beyond the Edge Radio. He's going to join us to discuss this new uh, version of the uh, Patterson Gimler film, where they've actually stabilized the video and they've been able to slow it uh, to. to Stop the choppiness of it. Uh, and you, you know how those old 35-millimeter films, you'd, you'd see all the frames passing by. They've been able to remove all that and put it in high definition. So you can get a much better look at the creature as it's walking. So we'll talk about that with Eric coming up in the next hour. And also, uh, before the end of the program, we'll be joined by Ken DaCosta of Rise Up Paranormal to discuss the upcoming Ocean State Paracon. Uh, it's coming up later in July. And we'll have Andrea Perrin, John Zaffis, and a number of other key paranormal speakers as part of it. And it's a fundraiser that all goes to a good cause so we will talk with ken later on in the program uh, and of course at any point in time if you would like to call in and discuss you can do so 508-996-0500-877-996-1420 you can email us spooky crew at spooky com, or you can find us on twitter at spooky sc so you know we do we even check the twitter during the show no, but we should. We should. <laughs> I have it up on my screen. I just never go to that screen. But that'd be a good thing that we could probably do. It'd probably be a lot easier to be interactive with people on Twitter. I'd say so. That's we're, just my opinion. Yeah, we're not, we're, we're not too savvy at this stuff. That's why we brought you in here, because <laughs> you can help us figure all this stuff out. And find outlets that you guys didn't know existed. Hmm. That was, I've worked here for how long now? I've been doing radio here since like 2001, 2002. Right. And and Stephanie plugged in her phone earlier, and I was like, wait, there's an outlet by that light switch? 
that you have to walk by and touch every single time you come in? Never. When did never, they put that WBSM sign? <laughs> <laughs> that I have noticed before. You can't help but notice that. All right. Well, we have about 10 minutes here before we have to take a break for the news. I think it might be the perfect time to get a little weird. What do you think? We can get weird. All right. Let's do this. It's going to get really weird. More bad news. Well, I got a great show for you today with some wonderful weird stuff. I feel, I feel so very weird. <laughs> the Week in Weird. All right, first up on this week's Week in Weird, we have... American student ends up trapped in a giant vagina sculpture. Have you guys read this story yet? I lived it. I don't want to (laughs) know. So, an American exchange student over in Germany sparked what they called an extraordinary rescue mission when his leg became trapped in inside a giant vagina sculpture. Mind you, this vagina sculpture is worth $200,000. Why they have it hanging out there, who knows. But... He decided that it would be, on a dare, um, an interesting photo op. So he decided to climb into the artwork and he got his leg stuck. It took 22 rescue workers with special equipment to get him out. Um, the reporter did say that the forceps delivery was not necessary. <laughs> they got him out with his bare hands after about 30 minutes. So the jaws of life. He, uh, he got stuck inside of a large vagina. Was he looking for a womb mate? Oh. <laughs> nice one. I know. It's, uh, all I can think of in my mind is all the different places I want to go with that, but most of them are inappropriate for radio. Yeah. That's why I said it's going to get weird. Next up, we have Walmart shopper kills Scorpion, who is just chilling in his bananas. We've all been there. I don't know if you guys have heard of this one. This yep. completely freaked me out. Um, Usually it's Black Widows. But still, any type of anything in any of my food, that's not what... It, I'm trying to eat. Not okay. Um, like pepper. <laughs> Ooh, who put this pepper in here? I don't like pepper. pepper. Actually, add that to my list of things I hate. Um, a Pennsylvania man was attacked by a scorpion while shopping for bananas at a Walmart in Scott Township. The man, whose name has not been released, reached into a box of bananas at around 2 p.m. on June 18th and felt something pinch him. He yanked his arm out, flung it, and out flopped a scorpion. The scorpion did die on impact by being flung across the air. It's a weak-ass um, scorpion. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, who knows what it's been through? Who knows where it came from? Well, bananas. I anyway. know. So. You think it'd be fortified with potassium? Hey, you never know what. What are scorpions into anyways? Who knows what they eat? Other insects. Well, that's what I figured. They're probably not into bananas. So, he, um, he was not seriously injured. The scorpion was killed, unfortunately. Um, that's not unfortunate. Well, I kind of feel it's bad a scorpion. for the guy. No, it's kill not his it. Fault, but at the same kill time, it's killed. disgusting. So, uh, shop local, folks. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I always have that fear. You know, working in the food service industry when when the, right. when the produce comes in, you're always worried because you don't want to stick your hand into a, a, a box of bananas and have something come out. And, and it seems to always be the bananas or grapes that are the biggest issue. Yeah. Yeah, my brothers told me, um, I won't release where he used to work, but um, places that he has worked at, when those shipments come in, things crawl out of the boxes, depending on the type of box that it's in, and they've had to kill things right in the store, and no thank you. Snakes have been found and stuff, yeah. 
Oh, yes. They uh, they did include a list of weird things found at Walmart, and that did include rattlesnakes in the gardening session, uh, public masturbators, toe suckers, knife-filled cakes, and semen throwers have all entered the list of... And that's just the Wareham Walmart. <laughs> 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 no On comment. a Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> Last Tuesday. And the weirdest of all, I think, those were pretty weird, but <laughs> man attempts to smuggle dozens of birds in his trousers. This is uh, written by a British newspaper. Um, a man was seized in Cuba after officers noticed some curious bulges in his slacks as he attempted to head to America. He was found with uh, over 60 birds sewn into his pants. All of the birds were rare species and had probably been stolen to order um, so he could resell them afterwards. The smuggler nearly made it on the aircraft after a metal detector failed to pick up his feathered contraband. <laughs> but because of the unusual budges and the slow way in which he was walking, a customs officer caught on to him. As soon as he knew the game was up, he tried to lie his way out of it and say that he was carrying a pigeon that he was bringing home for his grandson. That didn't really get him very far. Um, he was forced to take down his trousers, and they found frightened little finches and hummingbirds, most of which had their beaks, beaks sealed shut so that they wouldn't hear the singing. Police say the man is still being questioned following his arrest, and he now faces up to two years in prison. Can you imagine trying to sit on a plane with that many birds in your pants? I can't imagine trying to sit on a plane with one bird in my pants, <laughs> let alone that many. <laughs> All those little birds with... I mean, if you look at the beaks of finches and hummingbirds, that can't be very comfortable near very sensitive spots. But no. For any of you at home that heard about the story, go and Google the picture. It's a pretty good one. Hmm. That's a lot of voids. Yeah, I'm not gonna uh, not gonna make the reference to having the the pecker in his pants. Mm-hmm. I was gonna go the there, wood the woodpecker. I mean, the woodpecker. That's none. You're not gonna make the reference. You already did. Yeah, I know. That's. That's kind of the radio deflection way of not getting in trouble for having said it. <laughs> but I didn't hear anything. So. Of all the things that you could try to sneak, you know, to sell money, birds. Birds. Like, hummingbirds and finches. It's got to be so much easier to sneak other things. From Cuba to America. Why finches and Why not snakes on a plane? Because we're tired of these. <laughs> but, uh, the, but don't they have those birds here? That's what I'm saying. Why would you... I mean, rare species, but... I mean, I mean, we have cigars here, but Cubans are still better. Right. So maybe their birds are better, too. I don't know. Maybe no, they're a fine they're talking smoke. rare species, then they're probably just a limited amount to that particular area that he's bringing them from. Right. And why not just bring... Not why yet. not just bring, like, two and then breed them? They're all sewn in the pants. You need to see the picture. You need, you need to just... Get one of each, stick them in your pocket, male on one side, female on the other. That's it. And then when you get to America, put them in a cage, the magic will happen. You know, put on a little Barry White, maybe get some... <laughs> put birds some, into that? Put some wine in the bird feeder, in the little in the bird bath. I don't know. Make it romantic for him. I think, uh, yeah, I think birds like Marvin Gaye better than Barry White. I don't know, Matt, what do you think? I don't know. I don't know what birds like. You only do cats? Yep. Sorry. I don't have any cat we do cats? stories. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I was waiting for it. First of all, I've never even seen you with... I, I know that you love cats, but I've never even seen you with a cat. Eh, I don't know. I'm slightly <laughs> allergic to cats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the truth comes out. You yeah. have to go to Taco Bell with them. 
that's, that's when the cats come out. Burritos. Uh, he winds up going to Taco Bell with me at the end of the night, and yeah, there usually is a cat. Yeah, there is a cat there. Is it the same one that I tried to? It's either a cat or, or a small raccoon. Yeah. Either way, either they way. either way they still feed it, right? And that's why it comes out when it sees you coming. It's I tried like, to put it in my car, and that wouldn't let me. <laughs> well, it's because it's full of Moniz's cheesy potato burrito leftovers. You don't want that in your car. There's no leftovers. Is that like that's bringing too? <laughs> <laughs> I say you don't even want Moniz in your car after a cheesy say, potato what's burrito. The difference at that point. Let alone, uh, although, you know, if, if uh, all of a sudden they start offering all new chicken options, I'm going to get a little mm. bit worried. All right, well, that does it for The Week in Weird for this week. If you have any weird stories you would like to pass on, you can just send them to us on Twitter, at SpookySC. You can hashtag them Week in Weird, and we'll make sure that we get them up on our feed, and we'll talk about them here on the show as well. We do have to take a break for the news. When we come back on the other side, we'll talk with Eric Altman of the Pennsylvania Bigfoot Society and Beyond the Edge Radio about the new, improved, stable, you know the classic film, but now it looks completely high definition it's a lot crisper and you can see we can debate is it do we still think it's a man in a suit do we still think it's actually a lost cryptid we'll debate that coming up with eric altman and then later on in the program we'll talk about the ocean state paracon with ken DaCosta. it's coming up next month in harrisville rhode island your chance to meet such people as john zaffis andrea perrin and so many more so we'll talk about all that coming up in the next hour here on spooky south coast Spooky South Coast, Tim Weisberg here, along with Stephanie Burke, Matt Moniz, and Matt Costa. And uh, we will be joined by Eric Altman in just a moment. I want to say thank you to everybody who has sent us music. Uh, We have decided to start going away from the licensed music because it was causing some issues with podcasting and with our YouTube videos. Uh, Folks who were trying to watch the YouTube videos via mobile devices were complaining that they were being blocked. Uh, because we had licensed music in the broadcast. And even though we can play it on the airwaves here, uh, the recorded versions that live on in perpetuity on the Internet, they run into some trouble. So we decided to get away from all that and go with unlicensed music. And I want to thank everybody that's made donations. You can send us your tracks, if you would like, spookycrew at spookysouthcoast.com. Just do us a favor. Just put in the email. You know, Give us the name that you want us to use on the air to promote the music, whether it's your own name or whether you have a band or, or another name that you go by as a musician. Let us know the name. Let us know the name of the track so that we can let everybody know where they can find it. And also just put in the email that you give us permission to use the song. So that if we run into any trouble, we'll be completely covered. And that way there, it helps us. It gets us the music that we need to put on this program. And it also gives you the chance to get a little bit of exposure as well. So Spooky Crew at SpookySouthCoast.com. And I want to say thank you to everybody out there who has sent music in already. We will get to it all uh, as the weeks go on. 508-996-0500-877-996-1420. Those are the numbers to call in at any time 
time during the discussion. If you have a question for us or for our guests, you can also email us, SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com or find us on Twitter at SpookySC, or you can join us in the chat room, the new and improved chat room on SpookyTV at SpookySouthCoast.com. want to say hi to everybody who is in there. And those who are in the chat room, if you're seeing that your name is coming up as guest and you have guest 3U, guest BACA, guest B515, these names just pop up automatically. If you click down on the little bit right on the right-hand side of the chat box, you'll see it at the very bottom right-hand corner, you can sign in. And you can sign in through a variety of ways, through your Google account, through your Facebook account, whatever you want to use. And uh, I use the Facebook account, and then my little profile picture shows up so that people know who it is that's talking. So if you can do us a favor and just... Log in that way so we know who you are. If you want to stay anonymous, that's cool too. But uh, we do like to see which members of the Spooky crew are in there each week hanging out with us. All right. Well, now let us bring on our guest. He is the director of the Pennsylvania Bigfoot Society. He is the host of Beyond the Edge Radio, and you hear him on Darkness Radio and so many other programs. Uh, His specialty is cryptids, but he is a man who can talk all things paranormal, but we are bringing him on tonight to discuss this new stabilized, ultra-high-definition Patterson-Gimlin film. It's been around forever, but now we can see it a little bit more clearly than ever before. Thank you for joining us, Eric Altman. How are you? Hey, Tim. How you doing, buddy? Well, I'm doing well, and uh, we are spooktacular, as we say. I'm glad here. to hear it. And, uh, and you guys have been having a, a, a great time with uh, all the different guests you've been bringing on Beyond the Edge, and you've been making the rounds at some of these events, so it's, it seems like you are becoming the go-to guy for a lot of this cryptid stuff. So naturally, I thought of you when I saw this footage. I said, i got to get Eric's take on this. Well, thanks. Yeah, we've been kind of busy. <laughs> but that's how you like it, right? Um, sometimes yes, sometimes no. It gets a little chaotic sometimes, but uh, it keeps me out of trouble. So this hit recently uh, was a film analyst by the name of M.K. Davis, who has run the Patterson-Gimlin film through his ultra-high stabilization process. Now, we've seen this happen before with the JFK, uh, with the Zapruder film. People have slowed that down. They've cleaned that up. They've run it through the high stabilization, and you can see a little bit more clearer shot this way. So it was probably only a matter of time before somebody got uh, to this famous Bigfoot clip, probably the most famous Bigfoot clip. And uh, I'll just ask you, Eric, what do you think when, when you saw the new footage? Well, actually, this isn't the first time MK has actually stabilized the film. This is the second stabilization he's done on it. Oh. Um, he did something about uh, five or six years ago, probably back in 2009, 2008, where he, he took the film and he actually stabilized the film so you could see a lot better than the uh, the original footage that was released. Um, it's not the same quality or definition that this uh, version he put out is, but it was uh, a lot better than what we had to work with from the, the 1967 grainy footage that was uh, released and, of course, copied and, and put out there time and time again. So this isn't the first uh, stabilization he's put out there, but this one that's been released in the last week is very, very clear, uh, you know, compared to what we've been used to seeing on TV and movies and, and what we've been used to, to viewing on, on the computer. And it's uh, a lot more uh, detailed and a lot more, as you know, stabilized than what we're used to seeing. So there's a lot more you can pick out of this uh, than we've been uh, accustomed to. Well, Matt Costa is going to work on actually getting that video up on Spooky TV so people can see it as we're discussing it. But uh, when I'm watching it, you know, my first instinct when I watch it is I said, well, now this makes it more 
uh, clearer to me that it's somebody walking in a suit because I'm looking at the gait of the creature. I'm looking at the way that it's walking, and it looks to me like a, a man in a heavy suit trying to walk across the woods. Uh, but Moniz was pointing out that you can actually see some of the muscle movement a lot clearer than you could in the original version of the film. Uh, when you're looking at it, Eric, what catches your eye first? Well, I have to agree with Matt. Um, you can't see a lot more detail in the definition of muscles moving. But again, back in 1967, in the original copy of the film that was released, uh, uh, Dr. Grover Krantz was one of the first ones to pick out that you could see muscle definition and you could see muscles moving in the creatures that walked away. Because you have to remember back in 1967 when they first had the original copy, it was very clear and, and it wasn't uh, you know, copy after copy, you know, brought down through generations that we finally get to see on these documentaries and on television that is so grainy and so broken down over time that you can't see that fine detail. So even looking at the stabilized film now, you're seeing what they saw back in 1967. And it doesn't surprise me that you can see that fine detail of muscle definition. That's what I see when I see this creature walking. But I do have to agree with you, the gait doesn't appear to be what a lot of people have said. It, it doesn't appear to be a gait that somebody can't reproduce. Um, it does look like a human gait to me. It always has looked like a human gait to me. But, I mean, that doesn't discount the fact that it could be, you know, an unknown creature. Just because it, it walks like a person doesn't mean that it is a person. Correct. Yeah, it, just, it does look like it has a human gait. That doesn't mean that it is a human in a suit. It just means that whatever this individual is in this film, it does have a very similar human gait. It does walk like a human being would walk. Now, does that mean it's a human? No, it just means it does have a, a human-like gait. And it seems with with this you know stabilized footage, uh, it's slightly less jumpy. There's still some some jumpy cuts and and things of that nature. But when you see it walking around the corner, uh, you know when it's when it's getting kind of that behind view, that's when it seems to look almost more to me like if it was a hoax. Whoever's in the suit thinks that at that point, whatever they were trying to do is over, and it just seems to walk a little bit differently uh, walking away from there. That could just be the way that my eyes are perceiving it, but it's a, it looks almost like it's kind of an upright human walk away. Well, you're looking at something walking across you, then something walking parallel to you. Yeah, it or, looks the same to me as you're playing it over and over again. It's still. Oh, and I just and kicked out the monitor. It <laughs> it's um, a very sensitive monitor. I have to agree with the muscle movement. You can see even like the the leg muscles moving as it walks. It would be pretty weird if you lifted up his feet and you saw sneakers, but. Um, and I agree with, we don't have anything to compare it to as far as does it walk like a human? Does it walk like, you know, any other type of, you know, creature or animal? Um, but the way that you're saying, you know, is it, does it stand upright? It kind of looks like the same the, the whole way through. Well, I mean, what are, what are your thoughts on it, Eric? Do you, when you, does this change your mind and what you thought originally? Um, unfortunately, it doesn't. Um, I've always been on the fence about the PG film. Um, simply because, A, I wasn't there to observe it myself. Um, B, it, it really doesn't solve the mystery. It never will. There's always going to be debate about if it is a man in a suit or if it's the real thing. Um, yes, it's, it's a great, um, clearer, more defined look at the, the individual in the film. And I won't call it a creature because we don't really know if it is a creature or not. Um, it, it's it's a more defined, uh, better look at what's in the the film, and and it does appear that it has muscle movement in it. But could that be just the way that the costume is shifting as this individual walks? I don't really know. 
Um, there's so many characters that have come out of the woodwork over the years, um, from um, Bob Hieronymus to Philip Morris, who claims he made the, the costume and sold it to Roger Patterson. Um, there's so many different players, like John Green, who was involved, uh, Bob Titmus. Um, the list goes on and on of people who, over the years, who were involved that claimed they either went to the film site and uh, made castings or uh, knew Roger. Or, there was there's even a claim that um, that Roger had a fake Bob Gimlin go on tour with him for a short period of time to help promote the the film. Um, there's so many questions. There's so many different twists and turns for this film. I don't think we're ever going to really know if, in fact, that is somebody in a suit or the real deal. Well, and again, this film, a little historical context, uh, was filmed on October 20th of 1967 uh, on Bluff Creek, which is uh, out in California. And uh, Roger Patterson is no longer with us, but Bob Gimlin is. And I know that he was silent on this for a long time, but that he has started... You know, in the last, you know, since since the new millennium started, he's been a little bit more uh, accessible to the media. Uh, but he's always denied that there was any kind of a hoax going on. Uh, has he ever said outright, you know, has he ever left the door open that maybe there was a hoax and, and maybe Patterson was behind it and he just, you know, followed along with what was going on? What's his story been? Well, I've, I've known Bob um, for about four or five years. I got to know him personally. Uh, I've sat down with Bob across the table and had a, a two-hour conversation with him. And my take on Bob is that he firmly believes that that was a real creature. Um, he doesn't believe that they were hoaxed. Um, he doesn't believe that there was any kind of uh, scam pulled over on him. Now, from what I understand and what Bob has explained to me is that the morning um, of the film, Bob, uh, excuse me, Roger had disappeared for a short while while Bob was at camp, and then Roger had returned. Now, Bob doesn't know where he went, but Bob doesn't feel that he was hoaxed and that what he sees in the film was a real creature. Um, he did pull up his .30-06, and he had it aimed on the creature in, in the event that the creature turned and charged at Roger as Roger ran towards it with the, the camera, but he never shot at the creature, and he was not going to shoot unless that creature turned and charged. And he felt that this was a real creature. That's his conversation with me, and that's, you know, he seems very credible, and uh, I've found no reason to disbelieve him. So so just to, to clarify here, uh, so that I'm following correctly, it was Bob that had the, the gun pointed at the creature? Yes. So if it was something that Roger had hoaxed unbeknownst to, to Bob, and he had gone and made plans for somebody to come by in an ape suit, uh, he probably would have said something when the gun was pulled uh, for fear that, whoever is in that suit might get shot accidentally. That's a very good possibility, yes. Because what Bob told me is he had that .30-06 pulled, and he had it ready to shoot in the event that that creature turned and came charging at Roger or Bob you know, as, as an aggressive animal, uh, either a posturing or a defensive mechanism where it charged at them. And, and fortunately, it never did. It just, as you see in the film, it walked away very casually. But uh, Bob said he was ready to, to pull that trigger if that thing turned and, and came at them. So now this is probably the most famous clip of a, of a Bigfoot sighting because of all the attention that it's received. I mean, it's been played on every you know paranormally-themed television show for years. And is this some of the more uh, intriguing footage that you've seen over the years? Or have you seen uh, other pieces of footage that we might not have been privy to that is even more convincing? Well, this is... What many feel is the holy grail of uh, Bigfoot video or film that's been taken 
And in my opinion, it, it is probably the clearest um, footage that is out there. There is some other footage that have been taken over the years, like the, the Paul Freeman footage that shows maybe three seconds of a large upright bipedal creature walking from uh, right to left on the screen from one pine tree um, across the front of several trees into another grove of small pine trees. That, it's inconclusive, but it's a very clear video. And there's been others that have been very quick, second, two second um, of something, you know, moving through the trees. And they're out there on YouTube. You can Google Bigfoot videos. And you can find literally hundreds of them. But unfortunately, with this day and age of modern technology and software, movie um, equipment that, uh, movie software that allows you to go in and, and create CGI and manipulate things like Photoshop and it's so easy to create things and to make things look so real. I just count most of the things that are out there. I would say 95% of them that are out there, I would probably write off as hoaxes or CGI or fabrications. And I, as a matter of fact, I don't even go look at YouTube anymore because there's just so much out there that I rule as nonsense. See, I've always just felt that it's uh, it's actually Kevin Peter Hall in the costume <laughs> <laughs> causing a, a hoax. But uh, actually, his his Bigfoot suit was a little bit more convincing. Well, even today with the, the way that the special effects uh, are in, in the films, they can make suits that are so detailed and, and so believable. I mean, look at Rick Dyer, who pulled off this, this latest hoax. His body in that glass case was done by a, a special effects artist out of Washington State. And a, there were a lot of people that were fooled by that, that thought that that was a real Bigfoot. Now, me as a researcher and knowing Rick Dyer's history, I knew right off the bat that that was fake. But there were a lot of people that paid good money to go see that and walked out of there thinking that was a real creature. So the, the ability to create such a, a, a almost a lifelike-looking specimen is there. So we have to be very, very careful as to what we analyze and look at and, and to be really, really cautious when we're dealing with films and even uh, possible bodies. As a person who has an interest in the unknown and the unusual, uh, and I try to keep a level head about things, for me it's going to take DNA evidence to, to be able to determine for sure that these creatures do exist. No photo, uh, no video, none of that is going to convince me as well as a DNA sample or, you know, aside from seeing the creature right in front of my face and having it bang here on the window of the studio, that would probably be pretty convincing, too. We could probably arrange for that. Probably. Mo Monies can tell you that they are around here. Uh, yeah, my mother, when she was nine months pregnant with me, roughly about four miles up the road, 1967, mm -hmm. in... Um, End of March, beginning of April in 1967, and that's before the Patterson-Gimlin film. Mm -hmm. So they are in this area, but uh, again, I would need to see some sort of conclusive DNA proof that they exist. And, and you would think that we'd be able to find something like that, even if we can't capture a live creature or have a one-on-one -on -one encounter with a living creature, they should leave something behind, but they don't seem to ever leave anything behind, aside from prints and some hair samples that we end up determining as something else. Uh, and I know, Moniz, you probably investigated you know, some, of the, uh, some of the poop over the years. Um, Just because you, not, know, not you love to play in poop but anyway. I, I know people that have done some of the uh, analysis on some of the scat that we'll call it. And I like to use the word poop. <laughs> well, and what they found okay. is that there are particular digestive, um, we'll, we'll call it uh, microflora and fauna, that are specific to um, 
basically uh, primates, that their the DNA of these microbes do not match any known species of primate. So, is that enough DNA for you? It, it's DNA, but it, I mean, it, you you don't have enough to you know to sequence something like the animal itself. Right. Yeah, but yeah. in Tim's own mind, is that enough DNA for him? No, I'm talking. We need the full Bigfoot genome. You do? Uh, I think so. But Eric, what, what would you need to be convinced? I, to be honest with you, I would probably need uh, a body, live or dead specimen, and to be able to see a, a, an accredited university or a scientist, uh, someone that I, I trust. And I could see their credentials um, and know that they put out their, the full results of what they were able to determine that body or live or dead specimen was. Uh, not just taking someone's word for it and saying, oh, Dr. Smith from such and such university said this was an unknown primate. I want to see the paperwork. I want to see their credentials because it's so easy to fake so much these days. You just don't know who to believe. And it, it's sad that it's come to that, but... With the way these hoaxes are pulling things off these days, you have to cross your eyes, uh, excuse me, cross your T's and dot your eyes. You just, you really have to be cautious. Well, your eyes wind up crossed after looking at some of this <laughs> They stuff. do, sure. Matt. They do. <laughs> and uh, and how, just how funny will it be if that proof finally does come from Rick Dyer? <laughs> that would be oh. the least expected source ever. Yeah, All but the sample supplied by um, Biscardi. <laughs> unfortunately though eric you're right you know uh, things like that they 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 shed a bad light on some of the researchers such as yourself who do serious work and aren't just looking to get some attention or or make a buck and uh, it's got to be harder than ever to get people to take what you do seriously uh because you know you see it more as entertainment with shows that you see on tv than it is serious research for a lot of folks yeah, it is harder for the serious researcher to um, to do our job. We just got to keep pushing on and keep doing what we're doing and doing it objectively and keeping our integrity and, and not, you know, making taking shortcuts and and you know bending to the entertainment side of things. I mean, yeah, it's, it's great to to try to get the word out there and try to get publicity as to what we're doing, but we have to be very careful about how we go about doing that. Because there's so many people out there just trying to want to get on TV and trying to make a name for themselves, and and they're they're doing it at, at the expense of you know trying to be objective and trying to really get to the bottom of this mystery. Um, over the past year, I've made a lot of friends in a place called the Broad Institute. Are you familiar with it? No. All right, it's up in Cambridge in Tech, Tech Square. I worked right next to it and rode the train with many of the people that work there. They're the world's leading DNA sequencing uh, laboratory. They're part of Harvard and MIT's stuff. So if you ever get any pieces of hair or whatever that you think maybe possibly contain actual DNA samples, let me know. I've got people more than willing to run run them through their sequencer. Oh, excellent. We'll, we'll definitely have to talk. Uh, here in the very near future, because I do have some hairs that we have collected uh, last summer that I've been trying to find someone to take a look at, first do the microscopic testing on it to see if it does match any known uh, animal that we have on you know, on file. That's the hardest part, is to, to come up with an, a match. And once we conclude that we can't match it, then, of course, to get the DNA testing done. So 
we do have some hairs that we have uh, in safekeeping right now. Um, so, yeah, definitely we'd be very interested in trying to get somebody to take a look at them. I'll do what I can for you. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you, Eric, for joining us, and definitely please keep doing what you do best. Uh, let everybody know how they can find out more about you, how they can reach you, and how they can find Beyond the Edge Radio. Well, they can get a hold of me a couple of ways uh, through our uh, group's website, pabigfootsociety.com, or the radio show that I do on Sunday nights, uh, beyondtheedgeradio.com. Either way, they can get a hold of me and uh, on Facebook as well. All right. Thank you so much, Eric Altman, for joining us, and we'll talk to you real soon. Thanks, guys. Have a great night. Take care. That is Eric Altman of the Pennsylvania Bigfoot Society. You can check him out. As he mentioned, you can listen to Beyond the Edge Radio. You can follow him on Facebook. Uh, He's on Twitter as well. And follow along with his work. Guys, I think that no matter what we do, uh, no matter what we can do to that Patterson-Gimlin film and enhance it, and we we can prove that that's a creature, but still, the the fact of the matter remains, that was filmed in 1967. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about something that's already uh, decades old. We need something fresh. We need something that's of recent times to prove uh, that these creatures are still out there. Uh, Moniz, I know that you've done a lot of work in the area for whenever, usually whenever anybody has a sighting, they'll they'll talk to you, they'll let you know uh, because of some of the work that you've done in the research of it. What's the frequency of reports that we're getting in, in this neck of the woods these days? I actually got a report when uh, I was in Middleborough uh, with the Bridgewater Triangle uh well, it wasn't premiere, but one, one of the, the screenings. screenings. And a woman who is um, an environmental scientist uh, who was friends with two young biology students encountered a tall, eight-foot, dark-haired creature walking down the street in Easton as they were coming home from one of the basketball games. So we've had recent reports from what I'll call credible witnesses as recently as a couple of months ago. Now we also have, you know, the reports of the footprints that were found in the snow in the Bridgewater Triangle over the winter and stuff like that. Those are inconclusive but interesting. But the the local reports usually are early spring uh, and into the beginning of summer is when we get most of the reports around here. It's usually when the blueberries start blooming and the raspberries and stuff like that. After that, uh, and after the fish are done spawning, then things tend to peter out towards fall. They kind of go back into the, the deeper woods. Yeah. And I, I know, Stephanie, that you talk to a lot of people that are not in the paranormal field. Right. Uh, and so you probably have a different take from the people that wouldn't necessarily want to share some of these uh, encounters. Um, yes, I have. Um, I mean, mainly myself. I I know I do the whole medium thing and I do the, the ghost stuff, but it makes me really wonder. Um, I mean, like aliens, Bigfoot, you know, I, I'll listen to it, but I can't say for sure whether or not, you know, I'm into that because I haven't experienced anything myself. But does it make anyone else wonder? Back in the 1960s, there's however long that video is of watching a creature walk by for a very long period of time when technology wasn't really prevalent but now all of these reports that we have and the amount of you know cell phones and technology that we have now why aren't there any clear videos right and how many clear videos do you see of a car accident 
And those happen far more often than you know. Plenty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, all the news, all the news stations. See, that's the that's the thing. Is Everybody catches we're under, something. We're under a different mandate now uh, from society, where it's not enough to just report something to somebody. Now you have to get. So if you're the news media, for example, and you need a news tip. You don't just want the news tip and send your people out to investigate it and follow mm-hmm. it up. You need the people to send you everything. So we see people who are taking pictures at car accidents, which, you know, is it really appropriate? Should somebody be stopping with their cell phone and snapping a picture of a car crash? Nope, they shouldn't, but they do. Yeah, exactly. They want to just get that credit and they want to have their stuff shown. They want to have their Twitter handle shown on, yep. on the Fox 25 news. So we do live in a different society. Now, I'm like you a little bit in that regard, Moniz, I've got the camera in my pocket all the time. I don't always think to pull it out. Yeah. I'm having that experience. And I, I went over this with some people when we put up the uh, story about what happened at Lizzie Borden's with the yeah. lights. People want to know why we didn't record it. We didn't think to. Right. We're, just, we're, we're too amused with what was happening. <laughs> but we're not automatically geared toward documenting every moment of our life through Instagram or Facebook. But the majority of society is. Mm-hmm. Everybody, I'll never understand why people put their whole entire lives on social media. Right. But the amount of videos, pictures, everything that I see that, I mean, people really shouldn't be, you know, filming. Like uh, the video I sent you last week of the... Uh, People recording a 911 call as they were showing up to the house. Why record that? What's the point? But people love to video record. So if you see a gigantic creature walking past you for a large amount of time and you have a cell phone, why don't record it? Well, it's kind of like what Tim and I were experiencing at Lizzie's. It was something that is not out of the normal everyday run. Right. But you guys come from a different generation as well. Yeah. But that's also part of the difference, too, is those who are walking around in the woods with their cameras out and ready are probably not going to have that encounter because they're running around mm-hmm. with their cameras out in the woods yelling, hey, Bigfoot, come over here. Right. You right. Know, it's, I guess uh, it, it's the same thing that you can say about you know a lot of the paranormal activity that we encounter. When you're not looking for it, that's when it happens and right. you don't have the time to react. So, And who knows? We don't know how. Well, we really could have recorded the lights going on and off. We just... We, yeah, and we didn't think that it was going to keep going either. Yeah. Like, we were surprised that it kept going as long as it did. You know, but, you know, I, I can't imagine Bigfoot's out there. I mean, they might be a little bit more savvy than we think we are. And, you know, they're not out there being like, let me take a selfie. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, we do have to switch gears a little bit here now because joining us on the line, we have from Rise Up Paranormal, the one and only Ken DaCosta. How are you, sir? Hello, Tim, Steph, Matt. How are we doing? Fine. We are spooktacular. How are you tonight, sir? I'm doing excellent. Is it a rare Saturday night off, or are we pulling you away from an investigation? No, we have a rare Saturday night off. It's uh, in the employee's manual. We have to give them uh, the 4th of July off and the week before to prepare for the 4th of July. Ah, see, there you go. Yeah, you gotta, you got to have some time off. you got to enjoy your summer. Uh, and I know that the, the planning is in full gear here for the 2014 Ocean State Paracon. It's happening July 19th and 20th, and it just seems like it's getting bigger and better every year. Yeah, I mean, we're doing something a little unique this year, and uh, this is our third annual event, and um, this year it will benefit the Autism Society of Rhode Island. And all proceeds are earmarked to that charity. Um, we decided to do something a little bit different this year and expand it into a full two-day event uh, because it has grown. And uh, it's going to be um, unique in the regard that it's going to be an indoor-outdoor event. So 
Our vendors, the people that are joining us, are going to be outside on the beautiful grounds of the Assembly Theater in Harrisville, uh, which is situated on the edge of a lake, and it's a really beautiful setting. And we have access for our speakers to a uh, 1930s-era 300-seat theater. So we're pretty excited about it, and um, we're very much looking forward to it. And uh, the guest list is incredible, and you keep adding to it, too. I, I noticed that, the, that you had some new additions uh, announced this week. But, of course, the event is headlined by John Zaffis of Haunted Collector. And, and anybody who follows the paranormal, they know John Zaffis's work. And uh, Andrea Perrin, who, of course, was the person who lived through The Conjuring. Uh, and she also wrote about it in House of Darkness, House of Light. But you've got a, a bunch of people who are coming. I mean, it's kind of a who's who of paranormal celebrities here. Yeah, and the incredible thing about it is each and every one of these people is donating uh, their time to the event. And for the general public, come on down. Uh, we're going to go from noon to 7 p.m., and it's only $5 to get in. Uh, and it follows our mission to keep a very affordable event because these people are donating their time. And, uh, you know... We want to make it as affordable to get everybody in there as possible. And uh, as I say, uh, everything is channeled toward the charity. So it's a wonderful event, and uh, we'd like to continue to grow it, but we're going to have to rely on the public to to help us out. So I want to invite, invite all your listeners to, uh, to join us. But uh, in this event, we'll also have people like, you know, I don't want to miss anybody here. I mean, Joe Chin will be there from Ghost Hunters, Carl and... Keith Johnson, Tom D'Agostino, Mike Markowitz, Tiffany Rice, uh, Andrew Lake. Maybe you've heard of Andrew. Uh, <laughs> he's going to be there. Shannon Sylvia, of course, from Ghost Hunters International. Christopher Rondina, George Lopez from Dead Air Paranormal Radio, John Tobin. Uh, Chris DeCesari, who I'm looking forward to having there. I met Chris up in New York, and... Uh, um, He's the basis of an independent film called Please Talk to Me that was based on his experiences as a freshman at uh, SUNY Geneseo uh, back in the 80s. So, yeah, we're um, we're really excited about the lineup of guests we have that are going to be speaking. And uh, um, come on down and learn something from these people. It's uh, It really is phenomenal. And it's 12 to 7 each day, and it's a $5 admission for each day? There you go. And you can't beat that. I mean, you're going to get, you're essentially getting seven hours of entertainment for only five bucks. You can't even go see a two hour movie for that much money. When you went to go see The Conjuring in the theaters, you paid twice that. And here you can meet the person who lived through it. You can meet people who are, uh, having experiences and, and, and being on investigations pretty much every weekend. And it's, uh, costing you less than it costs you to, to go out and, uh, rent an on demand film. Absolutely, and the opportunity to talk to some of these people in a very, very relaxed setting, uh, I think is something that's going to be appealing to people as well. And uh, as I say, it's going to be kind of unique. It's almost like a paranormal farmer's market in a way, you know, where everybody is going to be under their tents. And, you know, it's going to be a really relaxed setting and uh, just hoping for a, a beautiful New England summer weekend, and that'll be wonderful. Um, the other thing, too, is that we're kind of, you know, in terms of The Conjuring, we have a lot of people there that are associated with the happenings there. First of all, it's it's taking place in Harrisville, which was the background of the movie, and uh, 
Arlen Keith Johnson, John Zappas, of course, Andrea, naturally, uh, and myself, really, have all visited the house. So at some point, we're probably all going to get together during the weekend and do a little Q&A and a little presentation on our experiences there. So um, I think it'll be interesting. And uh, and I know that uh, we. I just want to put this out there too, uh, because Norma has been in contact with me over the last couple of months, mm-hmm. uh, supp- supplying me with the information that she's finding through her research. And uh, so I feel like we should also mention, even though it's going to be taking place in Harrisville, we don't want people to try to go to the house. Uh, we don't want people to bother the Sutcliffs. Leave them alone. They don't want any kind of uh, recognition. They don't want any kind of attention. Uh, so anybody who is planning on coming to this event, don't be thinking about making a side trip to the farm. And that's extremely important because one of the things that we've done is absolutely um, beyond mentioning the obvious. We are, you know, definitely downplaying that angle of it. This is an opportunity, really, to make a statement, to make a bigger statement, you know, because we're all getting together. um, And this could be anywhere. It could be Providence, Rhode Island. It could be New Bedford, Massachusetts. At this particular point in time, we were able to secure this location, and you'll see why when you come down. It's absolutely, it's lo- it's a lovely location, but we have an opportunity to make a statement in this field, and everybody who's involved, and even the casually curious to um, to rise above what uh, those people have had to endure, and um, you know, grant them their peace, go about this, have a wonderful time for the great cause, and do. Um, do it the way it's intended to uh, to be done and do the right thing. And the key, of course, is uh, even though you get the chance to, to go and meet these folks and learn, uh, maybe you're somebody who's been in the paranormal field for a long time and you just want to compare notes with some of these investigators who are going to be there and some of these researchers, or maybe you're somebody who is new to it and you just want to find out more, uh, or maybe you're somebody who's just a fan and, and never has actually wanted to have an experience, but you want to meet those who have. It's a great event for that, but the key is that the money goes to helping the Autism Society of Rhode Island, and I'm sure that you know, you've probably already been in contact with some of the folks who will benefit uh, from the monies that are being raised. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And one of the reasons that this year we chose that charity is because, um, as it is with muscular dystrophy last year, this is something that touches a lot of families. And since we uh, made that decision that the Autism Society would be the beneficiary, it's amazing how many people have reached out that, you, you know, that I've known for years, but didn't know about their family situations who have said that um, it's something that's affected them as well. So it's been gratifying that um, we're going to be able to do just, you know, a small part to uh, to try to help these folks. And, um, and this is why we chose to do it on a local level as well, because a lot of times when you do it for a... Um, a national foundation, although it's all going to a good cause, we're never really sure what the local community will see in terms of uh, the percentage of the money exactly, that yeah. are donated. So this is why um, we wanted to earmark it to the local, um, the local branch to make sure that um, it gets in the hands of people that we know, our friends and neighbors, and uh, that's extremely important to us. Now, sometimes with these uh, larger charities, the money that you raise is just going toward, you know, a director's salary more than it is to helping somebody uh, directly. Yeah, exactly right. So, um, you know, we're going to be able to do this uh, with uh, 
with really good intentions, and um, it's important to us, like I say, because it reaches people that uh, that we know. It reaches our neighbors, and you know, Rhode Island being a small state, of course, you don't know what kind of percentage of any any fund of funding that they get. So this is an opportunity to do something uh, uh, a little bit a little bit um, bigger, if you will, for the uh, local community. And one thing that's a, an interesting connection, and I know that I've talked about it privately with Moniz in the past, I've talked about it with Stephanie in the past, is those who are afflicted with autism, they seem to have a, a different wavelength into the paranormal than some folks have, and they seem to experience things uh, that the rest of us might not. So there's, there's definitely a connection between the paranormal community and those who are afflicted with autism. You hear a lot of times of people taking on cases in which there is an autistic person involved absolutely i mean we have in our past too on multiple occasions where we've had an opportunity to actually sit and talk to some of those people and uh and hear their stories as well and um you know it's something that when they've had an experience uh, they're very lucid and very vivid in terms of uh, what that experience is and uh frankly i've been blown away um, by the um, by the validity of a lot of those claims as as we've gone forward. So again, it's the Ocean State Paracon. It's happening July nineteenth and twentieth, from twelve to seven each day at the Assembly Theater in Harrisville, Rhode Island. Admission is only five dollars, and all proceeds benefit the Autism Society of Rhode Island. Ken, uh, again, people can go to the Facebook page for updates and for more information. Yeah, you can uh, just punch up 2014 Ocean State Paracon on Facebook, or you can go to our website, uh, riseupparanormal.com, and um, all the information in there uh, that you need. And if you need to contact us for any reason with any kind of questions, um, all our contact information is there as well. Excellent. Thank you so much, Ken DeCosta, for joining us, and uh, good luck with the event. We look forward to seeing you. That's excellent. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity. And enjoy your couple of rare weekends off. I will do that. <laughs> Take care. You too. Bye-bye. That is the one and only Ken DeCosta. He is... Uh just a, a great guy to hang out with uh, and a heck of an investigator as well and he likes to downplay a lot of the stuff that he does behind the scenes but uh, really if, if you get the chance to go and you get to hear him speak uh, you'll be blown away by some of the information that he can provide as well. I remember seeing him speak for the first time at the South Coast Paranormal and Psychic Fair and he did a presentation on cryptid creatures. I was just like mm -hmm. whoa, <laughs> how have we not had you on the show yet? So, And we still really have yet to bring him in for a full show discussing some of the other things. We had him on to talk about if the paranormal was a religion and it's still one of our most downloaded and most controversial shows so uh, you can check that out in the archives uh, as well but the Ocean State Paracon always a great time Matt Costa I know that you've gone down to it in the past yep and uh, I know that you've always had a good time yeah yeah the, the, the time that we went I think Stephanie and I, yep right? I've been to the first two yeah it was, it, was a, it was a good turnout there was a lot of good people there and and Stephanie, when you're there, you know you you are there under your work as a right. as a spirit medium, and and people are coming up to you and talking about those type of, uh, you know, those questions regarding that work. Mm -hmm. uh, but being there as a paranormal investigator, it must be great too to hear a lot of the different approaches and the different techniques from the people that are there. It is. Um, I think a lot of people get carried away with the whole psychic medium thing, so I end up with a lot of questions with that, sure, and not yeah. usually the whole paranormal investigator thing my days of hiding in the closet is just a paranormal investigator are pretty much over so 
But and that's the great thing about this is as these ocean state paracons have gotten bigger and better, and the same thing happens with paranormal for paws mm-hmm. here in Massachusetts. Is you know we're a small community around here, and we know each other, and we work with each other, and we all work well together, and we're familiar with one another. But as these events grow and more people are coming in from outside, we have the opportunity to to kind of learn and and to discover new ideas and right. new theories and new concepts from people coming from other areas. So uh, it should be a really great time. We do have a phone call on the line, and if you would like to call in, 508-996-0500-877-996-1420. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. Hi, Tim. It's Keith. Hey, How Keith. Doing? How's it going? Good. Good. I had to call in and um, comment, uh, applaud you on the, on the subject matter you're just talking about, uh, Ocean State Paracon, and uh, what a wonderful um, charity uh, Ken is doing. And, uh, of course, you will be there along with your wife, Sandra, and your brother, Carl, and uh, oh, yes. so many great friends uh, and colleagues from the area. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we definitely will be, and we're, we're looking forward to that for months. And, um, you know, as you know, uh, Sandra and I have a son who is uh, afflicted with autism mm-hmm. and, um, you know, struggles every day to, to try to fit in the world around him. So, it's, you know, it's a charity that's very close to our heart. So, um I urge everybody to come down to uh, Ocean State Paracon and uh, meet us all and uh, join in the festivities and it'll be a great learning experience. And um, it's, it's a wonderful thing that Ken's doing. And uh, so very, very positive vibes about this. Um, can't emphasize that enough, obviously. Well, and one of the important things is, is people can come and they can learn a little bit more about autism because we hear about so many folks uh, who have it, but we don't. Still, to this day, there's a lot of people who don't have an understanding uh, of what it's all about. I can absolutely, absolutely, I couldn't agree more. And uh, this this uh, promotes awareness and understanding. So um, that, that's a very positive thing to get the word out there. You know. So I, I was going to say, my daughter, who's now turned thirty, uh, I've had to deal with her autism since she was diagnosed at three years old. It's it, they're very loving kids, but the, to truly understand it, you have to live with them and you have to work with them regularly to, to get a grip on mm-hmm. it. I used to teach preschool classes, and I would take on the autistic kids because that's what was close to my heart, that I wanted to give the extra attention. And they're amazing children, and I've tried to educate people for years on um properly dealing with things and understanding that they're they're real people and you know there's they have nothing unique wrong. ways of looking right. at things and Very unique. if you you can learn a lot from a child never mind a child with autism they they look at the world differently that's all and it's amazing well keith uh what, what do you have planned for the ocean state paracon are you going to be giving a talk on anything specific or just hanging out or well, Sandra and I will be talking about demonology. Excellent. We'll be giving a class on that. And, um, but, you know, anybody who wants to discuss any topic, you know, and including obviously autism, uh, we're open to that as well. And we, we're looking forward to meeting people. And Carl's giving a lecture too. And, um, you know, on a strange phenomena. So, so we're all, we've all got something, uh, lined up and we're all looking forward to meeting everybody and, uh, reuniting with close friends and uh, making some new ones as well. Excellent. And, of course, uh, we'll also put in a little plug here as well. Ghosts are near. Uh, it does broadcast uh, on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com. And, and when can people catch the live episodes each week? 
Uh, people can catch them statewide on Fridays, statewide on Fridays throughout the Rhode Island region at 8 p.m., and um, that's statewide interconnect. And you can always go to Utah, YouTube and see our shows as well, and, and of course, on, on your great broadcasting system as well. So we're out there. Monday nights, Matt, on Spooky TV? Uh, it's Wednesday nights. Wednesday nights. Yeah. See, I have been keeping up with my Spooky that's TV. Good. <laughs> and, uh, of course, everybody can go to ghostsarenear.com to find out more uh, about Keith's work. Absolutely. I'm sorry. So, uh, Keith, thank you for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you at the Paracon. We look forward to seeing you then. Guys, have a great night. Great talking with you. Take care. And we do have another phone call on the line. The phones are lit up tonight. 508-996-0500, 877-996-1420. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. Yes, good evening, Cam. It's been a while. Uh, hello, Stephanie. Um, a little over a year ago, I called in, and I told you guys that I'd moved into an apartment where a friend of mine had passed away. Mm-hmm. And um, I moved out about a month ago to a bigger place because I went there, first of all, because it was for physical reasons, my legs and health. And last Wednesday night into Thursday, I was really restless in my sleep. And when I finally got to sleep, it was probably like 4 o'clock in the morning, and when I woke up at 7 in the morning, I had had a dream that that individual was arguing with females, but the voices weren't clear to me who they were. Mm-hmm. And I guess I overslept. And later that day, I talked to a resident at the building, and two females were arguing with a piece of furniture that I had left there that was his that were used for uh, porch furniture. Hmm. And they were arguing about it, and they wanted me to throw it off the, off the porch, and it broke. And I, I couldn't believe it. First thing I thought about was, like, I was restless last night. I have a dream about him and females arguing, but I couldn't recognize their voices. And later in the day, I found that. And I'll tell you, last last uh, Thursday was a rough day for me. Like It's like all kind of stupid things are happening around me. And people call, call some people call that coincidence and all that. I, I didn't know there was any turmoil there. I didn't know anything at all. I hadn't been there in a while. Sure. And it was it was a real rough day, <laughs> but I, I automatically thought about when I called you guys last year when I was kind of having a hard time, and you guys had really kind of like made some sense of leveling me out. But I remember what you had said to me last year. And by Friday, I woke up and I ended up having a pretty good weekend. But it, it was it was just so so strange. I mean, Stephanie, that's probably your area more than it is ours. I mean, it's 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 not like it's a premonition. It's because it, it's happening it's kind of simultaneously. Get, you can get sneak peeks into um, quick little things like that if you, because we're in a dreaming state. Um, we are in that in between, so you can get quick little. Just kind of like I used to when I was younger and I was trying to block my gift. I would have weird dreams of. Um, I remember having one of like different, you know, like the tricolor noodles, like the pasta. Sure, yeah. And I, I'd never eaten that before because it's funny colors. And I was younger, and I would never touch anything like that. I was a very picky eater. You still won't. But. I know I'm terrible, but I went to a friend's house, and that's what I ended up eating. And I was kind of freaked out by it, and I had immediate deja vu. So things like that do happen where you're gonna get a glimpse of the next day. But as far as like turmoil and having a really crappy day. Um, Mercury is still in retrograde. Mercury is the planet of communication, so pretty much. And I'm a Gemini, and my birthday was last month. Right, <laughs> so um, it's it's kind of a tough time to uh, get any type of proper communication going through. Um, crappy things are going to happen left and right to people, but good news is it's going back direct on July second. So could it also be? <laughs> 
Next Wednesday. Yes. Yeah, there you go. So We're could, all waiting. Could it also be, though, that because a piece of him might have been left behind in that previous location, that maybe that allowed him to still have a connection to it? Um, yeah. Yes, but I'm not really getting the feeling like he had any particular attachment to that piece of furniture. He would even be upset by it. So if you were thinking that, um, I don't really get the feeling that he was. I think um, just because you associate him with that piece of furniture, because we all do, yeah. we're human and we do things like that, um, it could be a, a part of your subconscious that was feeling a little guilty about it as well. Mm. Yeah, because I had done a lot of work and restored the furniture itself. Right. That piece, and it was just like, wow. But really? uh, thanks, thanks a lot, and it's always a pleasure to listen to you guys. Well, thank uh, you so much. Have you guys been over to the Morgan yet? No, we haven't yet. Uh, the, I, really I guess there was some, some big lines over there. but Yeah, uh, Phil did a hell of a job this morning. Probably. He did a, did a great right. job. And, and you know, there, there were some rumors going around that maybe we could pull off a, an investigation while it was here. But I, I don't know. They've got it under heavy guard. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. Homeland Security was all over the place. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for the call. Thanks for taking my call, guys. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And uh, speaking of uh, callers, Moniz, I should mention this because it's been coming up again and again on the Saturday morning show. And uh, and I'm asking you this now when we have three minutes left. But <laughs> this person keeps asking me about it, and I keep forgetting to mention to you. This gentleman calls every week, and he wants to know if we can get Bob Lazar. I can ask him, but he rarely does. The Rarely, ru- rarely does. Talk. This person has been hearing rumors that Bob Lazar is actually dead. And I haven't seen anything no. to the con. I've seen anything that that suggests that yet. But he's been hearing these rumors, so he is still with us. Yeah. And you have been in communication with him. I know Off over the on. years. Yeah. yeah. So we can at least make an attempt and see what what can happen. And the worst he can say is no, or ignore us completely. But at least you'll have an answer for him. Right. So, but I've just been forgetting to do it. So I want to do it now uh, and, and mention that now. So we'll see if maybe we can pull something off. But again, he's been radio silent now for uh, quite a while. Yeah, I'm, I, he's done a handful of things over the years. I, I can, I'll, I'm friends with George Knapp too, so George knows him better. I'll, right. I'll, I'll ask George to ask him again, or I'll, and I'll, I, I think, I'll ask him directly, and I'll have George prod him. I think George is the only one that he has spoken with over the last, you know, decade or so, or last at least the last five years, because that's probably about the time that I started becoming interested in trying to get him on. So we'll see. Well, that's all we can do. We can only yeah. try. But we will try. And uh, we will be back next week as well. Uh, we'll be talking about a variety of different topics. I don't even know what we're going to have on next week. There's so many things in flux uh, of shows that we're trying to book. One show that we definitely want to work on is we're going to have Jeff Mudgett on to talk about H.H. H. Holmes. Uh, he's going to be joining us sometime soon. We're going to have Mark Anthony, the psychic lawyer, uh, coming up in August. I know, Matt, you have been working on some things as well for July. So... Uh, We'll, we'll certainly have a, a bunch of shows coming up for the rest of the summer, and we're going to make sure that you are thoroughly entertained and informed about all things paranormal, especially, you know, Halloween season is right around the corner, and that's when all this stuff really oh, starts to happen. I can't wait. I was just saying I can't wait for little pumpkins and apple cider and candy <laughs> apples. and It's finally fall. getting hot and humid, and all we can think about is autumn. That's all I think about. It's my favorite time of the year. Mine, Absolute too. Favorite. And not just for paranormal reasons, either. I just, no, I just, I just love like it. it better. I love it. Uh, the beach, eh, keep the beach. You know, give me a haunted hayride any day. You're probably going to lose me around Halloween, though. Yeah, we probably will. You'll be a little bit, uh, you'll be otherwise... Occupied. Occupied. <laughs> but that's all right. Or, we, or unoccupied. That's true. Mm. 
we uh, occupied. We knew that uh, we knew that going in though. So, and uh, that's all right because usually we check out around Halloween too. Right. So it's a mentally, good time. Mentally, <laughs> we'll still be here physically. You'll still hear the sound of our voice. We just won't make any sense after the Halloween season. All right, well, that does it for this week's show. If you want to get in touch with us at any point during the course of the week, Spooky Crew at SpookySouthCoast.com. That's the way to do it. Uh, you, can also e- uh, you can also find us on Twitter, at SpookySC. Uh, we check it frequently. And uh, I know that you know a lot of people just kind of mention us and things and forward us things. That's cool. Definitely always do that. We appreciate that. We're trying to be a little bit more interactive, but you know we're also technologically dumb. So until next week, we want you all to stay spooktacular.